Hi, and thank you for joining us at this week's episode of the Apartment Academy, the multifamily's only operations-focused podcast, your institute of higher NOI. I'm your host, the Dean of the Apartment Academy, Daniel Cunningham, and today's guest lecturer is Tyler Billings. Uh, Tyler is Director of Revenue and Marketing at HPI Hamilton Point, and as such, has a has insights into the financial operations of assets, um, but how those are driven by um, what he calls the three pillars of operations, which I think are super relevant and gonna be helpful for, for anybody who's in property operations to learn more about what a company like HPI focuses on. So got a lot out of today's discussion, crammed a lot of information into a little bit of time. Let's get started. Welcome Dr. Billings to the Apartment Academy. You know, when we, when because we call ourselves the Apartment Academy, we and we, we have a very sort of mm, academic focus in that we're trying to make sure we're always passing something along to our listeners that they learn something from. We we sort of jokingly refer to everybody that comes on the show as professor, but you're you're our, our first uh, you're our first lect- guest lecturer who actually has the doctorate uh, title uh, and can legitimately lay claim to that. Uh, so um, before we get started, tell us a little about your journey into multifamily because uh, like everyone's, it's not as straightforward as, as uh, people might imagine. Yeah, no, absolutely. So I, I, I started, well, I was in the military for about four and a half years. Um, I got out. And I was like, man, I just need to find a job. So uh, I ran into a few folks and they're like, hey, I think someone's hiring and just go in. I think I was wearing shorts, a t-shirt and flip-flops. And I walked into an apartment office and I started chit-chatting with the manager. And two hours later, she's like, okay, we'll come back for a formal interview. And I actually showed up in shoes, slacks, and a shirt. She hired me on the spot. So, And then uh, ever since then, I've been in the industry uh, working my way up. Started as, as a leasing agent? I did. And, and um, you know, when you say... I'll have, to, I'll have to walk back my statement because when I say everybody has a unique journey, the, hey, I didn't, I just needed a job and I walked into an apartment. That's actually quite common. That's actually the journey a lot of people take yeah. <laughs> to yeah. get here. So uh, that part you have in common, but you were, um, uh, you, but starting at the, at the ground level and working your way up to now, you're director of revenue and marketing at Hamilton Point. Um, tell us a little bit about what you do in that capacity. Tell us a little bit about, about Hamilton Point. Yeah. So, uh, I oversee all of the revenue management um, approaches to operations along with high-level marketing strategy, um, and I team up really closely with the director of training. Um, we put our heads together and we, we kind of figure out what, what's going on at the sites, You know, how can we get from point A to point B based off of the strategy. So it's really just a, a performance strategy approach. Um, you know, that we, that we take on at HPI. And, um, and the, the firm has, um, a fairly decent sized portfolio. Is it all multifamily? Yep. Yep. So we've got, uh, we've got multifamily, we've got a, a few, uh, joint ventures that we have, um, you know, on the side, but primarily we, we've got conventional, we've got students, um, we've got some, uh, some affordable, you know, communities, but primarily it's, it's student and conventional. We have roughly about 10,000 units. Great. And, and, you know, in my experience, a lot of firms that label themselves as private equity firms are typically raising funds, investing, and they have an asset management core. 
and all of the management, the, the property management is all outsourced. Not the case with HPI. No, no, we are, we, we completely have a operation team that oversees all of, all of HPI. Right. So you're, you are directly, you have skin in the game when it comes to the, to the asset operations. Uh, well, let's, let's start a little bit about, uh, cause I, you know, when I was looking at your background, it seems like you spent a lot of time prior to, and now even at HPI in, on the revenue management side. And I remember when. I remember when revenue management first became a thing and there was a lot of skepticism about whether or not it was okay to turn over decisions about what you should charge for rent to a, to an algorithm. Um, certainly that's the technology who that's proven it's, it's value. Um, but it used to be really difficult. Like there was all these, it was a science, it was real science to it. Um, how has that changed now? Uh, and, and what does revenue management look like and how important is it to the success of your portfolio? So I, yeah, I mean, it, it's changed. I mean, I think back in the early two thousands, um, you know, it's it was it was very hard for people to accept the fact, like you said, you have an algorithm telling you exactly what to do. But it, and I think it just took time. You know, you're you're in. We, it took time to indoctrinate people to understand that hey, this is this is kind of this is what we look at. This is how it's done. It it essentially is a supply demand model that helps forecast that demand and that supply and how, which way to go. Um, but I, I think it's definitely grown over the years. Um, you know, we're, it's gathering more data. It's, it's taking on, you know, uh, more approaches on, you know, say renewals for instance. Uh, but now I, you know, it's, it's come to the point where it's even pulling in some marketing data and, and trying to capture, you know, which way doesn't, do we need to go? Do we need to increase rents, or do we need to increase marketing spend, or have a marketing boost? Um, so it's it's becoming more and more advanced, and and as as we go, as the technology grows, it's just going to get more profitable for us over time. When you say advanced, there was a time again. I, I, my experience was in the early two thousands when it first came out. You really needed a dedicated revenue management expert to kind of turn the dials and the levers to make it to tune it all. When you say more advanced, is that easier now? Is a lot of that happen automatically from data pulled from the internet, or or is there still a lot of manual work to get it right? No, I, I think that there there are some companies that have it automated that that are pulling that heavy load of data, dropping it in. Um, I think in the you know early two thousands you had a dedicated person you know outsource to bring in that knowledge of the product. Now you know you got people like myself that are coming in that are on you know on the operations team advising. Hey, this is what we need to do. This is what I am seeing. Um, this is the approach that we should take. Uh, but it's 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 slowly getting easier and easier. But you still need to have your your finger on the pulse when it comes to the operations. And there was uh, also, I think, a perception for a long time that this was an, a tool for institutional owners. Can has, has revenue management become easy enough and relevant enough for small operators who have, you know, less than 50, buildings less than 50 units that can, it's still, is it now a must have for across the board, all product types? I, you know, I think that, I, I think revenue management, you know, at, for any system, you know, I, I think, it can be utilized within any really size. I think it's really about understanding that relation, supply demand relationships. Um, but it's really at any level, 
that revenue management or at least the system can be utilized at, at the asset site. I'm curious, how well did the revenue management software, how well did the algorithm do during during COVID and then this amazing uptick after COVID? Has it did it did it adequately put depress rents when you needed to and has it kept up with the rising rents or been able to give you allow uh, you to stay ahead of rents that have been rising so dramatically in the last year? So I was very fortunate to kind of, you know, myself and, and some of the senior leadership, we put our heads together and we anticipated that we were going to see an increase in demand. So what we were able to do is reconfigure the system to make sure to ensure that we, you know, we can increase rents at a, at a specific rate, but not feel like we're we're the slumlords by any means. So we we were definitely profitable. We were we were capturing thirty to forty percent, some cases you know fifty sixty percent rent growth. Um, but and again we weren't we weren't making ourselves look horrible. So, right, yeah. Um, the media uh, the media likes to take landlords to task that raise rents, but it is a market driven commodity and. And I don't know why. Right. And it's, it's definitely, yeah, it's definitely that it, you know, if, as long as it stays true to the supply demand, if you have a lot of supply and you have a lot of demand, well, if you've, you know, if you've honed in your, your model, the way you need it to, it gets to a certain point that, all right, well, it's going to start pushing now since we've got that, that target uh, exposure setting or, or that target sustainable occupancy, it's, it's going to push it up. So as long as that stayed true, then, you know, we have that system that's going to kind of monitor that for us. Anything else on the revenue management side, because your, your, your scope is broader than that at, at, at Hamilton Point, you have, um, you're, you're director of revenue. So a lot of other areas that affect revenue. But before I ask you and move on to that, any, is there any, uh, advice or guidance you could give, uh, what, what makes, what makes for great revenue management? You know, I think it's really understanding the product, you know, no matter, or you know, it's either understanding the product or actually investing in, in the product. You know, I know a lot of, um, owners, operators, asset managers, they believe that they can have an Excel spreadsheet still to this day and ca do all the calculations themselves, which I'm sure they're wonderful at, but they're not they're not capturing all the data points that that a system does bring to the table. Um, so I think it's just really one adopting a platform and two knowing the platform and utilizing it to its fullest potential. If you don't mind, uh, Tyler, maybe you could actually um, sort of highlight what are some of those more subtle data points that revenue management takes into account that there's just no way you're you're figuring out on an Excel spreadsheet. But yeah, so you're looking at historical demands, which, and I think you, I mean, I know you can, but at the, at the same time, you, it's so much data that an Excel spreadsheet can take on. Um, but, you know, you've got, uh, you've got the, the exposure settings to making sure that, hey, you know, or, and I guess I'm speaking to more specific uh, revenue management systems, but something I, I work with on a day to day. You know, I'm looking at exposure settings, you know, or how aggressive uh, do we need to to get with rents, you know, or how if we're our exposure is at a 
specific level, how aggressive are we dropping rents to make sure that we're not dropping too much, you know, or, or where are we at with the market and how does that market component or market composite? And I, and, and I'm sure some folks that are listening are probably hinting that or picking up that it's an LRO setting, but we, uh, which we do use, um, but there's a lot of moving pieces with that, that, that I'm constantly looking at or expirations. Are we over, uh, overexposed on certain, you know, periods of, uh, of the year compared to others. So it's, it's that really supply demand making sure you have that, you know, that seasonality baked into it. So you're not overexposing yourself on a, a low demand season. So, so it's, it's a, it's basically helping you smooth out your supply demand. Yeah. Thank you for going a little bit into the weeds there. And that might've been the terminology might've been specific to LRO, but those concepts exist in all of, of the platforms, right? Your exposure, you know, what your, um, you know, what your, what your curve looks like in terms of, of expirations, all that stuff um, is really too cumbersome uh, to track in an Excel spreadsheet. So I just wanted to, to make that point. So beyond that, um, when properties come into the portfolio, um, tell us a little bit about the, the, the revenue plan for those properties executing against that plan. What do you, what, what do you think about what's your responsibility, uh, to, to ensure that a property performs according to plan? So what I typically look at are there, they're the three pillars. Um, I look at the human capital. I look at the marketing strategy, and I look at revenue management systems. So what I've learned is that these three are typically under the microscope constantly. But a lot of folks fail to ascertain the fact that they all work simultaneously together. So when it comes to what I do is I bring these three, that all three metrics or the these three I guess departments together, and I create a, a a a reporting matrix or a I call it my diagnostic report where it goes through and, and evaluates you know what direction we need to take this, what's going on, and really hone in on these three departments. Um, but what when assets do come on board, it's you know it's really ironing out the strategy. Does it make sense to put it on revenue management? right now compared to later how aggressive do we need to be for for marketing or or how you know are are the teams on site developed enough where they can we feel confident in having this transition come you know when it comes to us so it's those pieces that we really kind of iron out to make sure that we have a a cohesive uh, flow when it comes to the operations all right, I love the three. I love the three pillars. Let's let's dive a little bit deep into each one and each one of those. Um, let's start with marketing because I feel um, marketing is the softest and squishiest of all of those. Like, what is the good marketing plan? How do you how do you set a marketing plan based on you you you're looking at an asset? Like, ah, here's how we'll take this asset to market. So what I've learned so when I first came on to HPI, we were, you know. We had, our, I think the strategy was let's focus in on a bunch of ILSs and let's just try to maximize the demand and let's see what we can get. 
and what I've learned is that not every asset, and I'm and I'm not talking poorly on any ILS that you know anyone that's listening, but you really have to understand the success of of the assets. You know, you know, are we, or I should more say the the marketing approach to it. You know, for us, we're we're very lean when it comes to marketing. You know, we know exactly you know where our conversions come from, and we maximize. And we invest in those, you know, those specific resources. For instance, you know, for instance, we're we're a big component with Google. You know, we know that when someone goes in and and looks for an apartment, one of the first places they go to is a Google. Well, why not have our focus be more SEO driven to our our specific website and focus in on additionally to Google Ads um, and how we can strategize with that and how we can become the top. You know, at least that the top five uh, searched uh, search communities when people are looking in specific areas. That's actually very interesting. I I think that um, really for for the longest time the focus has been on ILSs and you know which one of those can drive all the leads. But what I'm hearing for you is is the majority of your leads are coming through the website thanks to SEO that's that has your apartment ranked highly when people search for apartments in Atlanta or wherever you you know. That, that is that the goal, huh? Sure, yeah, yeah, and and you know, I think I think the approach when I came on board was, and I, I I try to, I try to think of someone you know trying to hit a bullseye, but you have a handful of darts and you're just chunking it out of board and hopefully something lands. It doesn't make sense because you don't have accuracy when you're trying to to pinpoint what may you know what drives that demand. You know, if you have one and then you're you're focused more on that on trying to hit the bullseye, the more likely you're gonna have on it, unless you're just a terrible dart flare, but um but it's it's coming in and it's coming in and trying to focus, you know, where you wanna hit it at. So that's what we've done. You know, we we still utilize ILSs. We haven't, you know, removed them at all uh completely, but we we did drop about sixty percent of our our ILS spend and honed it in on the ones that we've seen positive conversions from. That's very interesting. Can you, can you, so SEO is, is there's a lot of black magic involved in SEO as well. Yeah. Um, is that share with the listeners, um, how you, uh, how, how can you best launch an SEO strategy? Is it, you, you, you must have an agency to do that for you. There's a way to do it internally. What do you suggest for somebody who wants to? Because I'm guessing that's a surprise to some people that 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 you, that you can drive the majority release from an SEO strategy. How do you do that successfully? Yeah, so uh, you know, for us, we you know we have a, a great partnership um, that really hones in and does the keywords and the back end. It's really it's they're they're really working you know tirelessly to making sure that we're up to date. We we we're at the top of the pages. So, but I've seen some people uh, or some organizations that have an internal team that do it. So, you know, I think that as long as as long as there is someone constantly working on SEO performance and and you know measuring it and managing it, you know, I, I think it's great. But I, you know, you know, organizations that don't have it or don't have that that tie in with SEO, they're missing the mark. 
You know, I, I think it's easy to make some tweaks to a website or back into Google or, or whatever. Um, and, and it's just, it, it doesn't cost a lot. So you can have a company or a third party company that pays, you know, you pay all this money to do it, but it's simple things that you can do to really help boost natural or organic uh, leads. And when you roll in the cost of the SEO firm and the cost of the, the, the advertising with Google, is this cost per lead, the cost per lease commensurate with, with what you would pay for an ILS or is it a lot more, but your conversion rate's high and so it's worth it? Yes. Yeah. So I absolutely, I, I do believe it's worth it. Um, you know, the, I've seen, you know, the customer acquisition costs actually increase when we started focusing, you know, we may spend a you know, not as much as we did before, but we're allocating our funds to something where we've seen success. And so by doing so, we, we've seen increase in, in demand and we were able at the same time monitor our supply where we're, we're seeing positive conversions and, and higher, uh, higher rental increases. Got it. Okay, good stuff there. Let's, let's move on to your, a, a second pillar, which let's talk about human, human capital. Um, industry is really struggling right now with finding people to, to man apartment buildings, especially on the service side. Also though, on the management side, of course. Um, so I imagine that weighs into the balance, but talk to us a little bit about is that setting the right mix of, of folks at the onsite level. And also if you don't mind, t tell us a little bit about how, uh, what you have, what sources you may have set, what, uh, functions you may have centralized in terms of accounting or leasing, any of that stuff that plays into this would be interesting to hear. Yeah. So, um, what, you know, we try to automate as much as we can, you know, it's, and, and we know what we learned from COVID was we want to be able to still have that communication with the prospects on a constant basis. So a lot of folks fail to under, you know, they fail to, to incorporate, say a chat bot, for instance, you know, they, they don't, they don't have that. Um, but that's one of the first things that we, we, we brought in a chat bot and, and it's done, you know, wonders for us. Um, or we have the, you know, the automated phone systems where people can ask questions and they get answers, but if they don't have it, then it automatically ties into our, our property management system where our onsite team can follow up in a timely manner. So it's, it's, it's trying to automate as, as much as possible, um, but, you know, the human capital part is extremely important to, to us, um, making sure that we we're able to fit the needs of our residents and our on, our, on the prospect side. So we're, we're constantly trying to develop and or, or train our our onsite teams to making sure that we're, we're hitting all those benchmarks that we, we've established, because, as, you know, as we know, you know, if we don't train someone to the fullest extent, you know, we're missing out, you know, in revenue by, by not converting that prospect or, or open ourselves up for mitigate, you know, for litigation, because they accidentally said something about demographics that you're, you're not supposed to in, in fair, for fair housing. Um, so it's those, it's those little things for, for human capital that is extremely important. Uh, has the, so, um, and, and what about like on the uh, accounting side? Are you do you have is that a responsibility that 
you that is held in the field or is that centralized processing invoices and coding and all that stuff um yeah so the, so we we have a an excellent accounting team um at our headquarters that re- handles a lot of that they streamline that and they they've they've done an amazing job okay so you have relieved on-site staff of um a, a number of like administrative leasing functions like setting appointments and that sort of thing answering faqs through your phone systems and and the administrative piece of the the accounting that's often performed at the property level so does that um does that allow you to work with a leaner um on-site team or does it just mean that the on-site budget is reallocated differently so, so when you had mentioned the accounting aspects, I mean, we still have a we still have our accounting workflows that we have on on site, but we have we have alleviated, you know, a little bit of how that how how it's budgeted. Um, but setting up appointments, you know, we do it. We can do it through the chatbot on the phone. Um, it's it's definitely helped us out. Because we can focus on what what's really important for us on site is making sure the customer service, and ensuring that you know we, you know we are we are more sales focused. And you you touched on the importance of training, and you know you tied correctly the the, the quality of your training to an impact in revenue because if you. But, but you were speaking in, in the context of leasing, like people that are leasing agents, if they're not well-trained, they won't close as well. They'll, they put you at risk by not, by maybe being ignorant of fair housing laws, that sort of thing. Um, what about, what about training on the operations side? Is that equally as important? Do you have a, do you have a robust training for, for the, for the managers and service managers, or is it more focused on the leasing side? No, it, yeah, yeah. And, and I, and I touch on leasing because it's, you know, I, I believe, you know, the leasing team is, is the kind of the engine, you know, you, you keep the engine running or more so the, the onsite, onsite teams, they're the engine that keeps everything going. Um, that's, that's the leasing that's, you know, the, for the sales, um, you've got the assistant managers that are collecting, you got the managers that's helping everything kind of oiling everything up and the maintenance team, keeping everything standing, making it look good. So but you know, having a robust training across the board for the onsite teams is is paramount because if you're if they're failing to, you know, if they they don't know or they don't know how to sell or or uh, fix something or they don't know the process. I mean, it, it it opens up on such a broad spectrum of potential issues. So. But it's extremely important to to us at HPI that training is um, training is absolutely focused for us. And and are you experiencing um, the same the average level of turnover in this industry, which is can be you know fifty percent or more sometimes on the service side, 35 percent on the manager side, and 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 if if you're affected by that also, how do you? Um, how do you keep people trained when there's always a revolving door of people coming in and out of the of the organization? Well, I, I think it is, um, you know, I think we've all been impacted by the, the turnover, you know, and, and what we do is we really try to focus on, you know, what what's going to keep them on board with HPI and, and how can we retain those folks. And so, but training, I mean, it, I think it's just a, a it's continuous, you know, you can't just say, Hey, we're going to train you 
you know, once a quarter and that's it. You know, we, we've got really great programs where, you know, hey, training's once a month, you know, at least for the administration, you know, ad- administrative part, you know, there's training once a month, you know, and, and it teaches them from the basics to, to leasing all the way to, you know, how to process a check, you know, it's things like that. And then on the, you know, facility side, we do, we have a dedicated team that goes out and, and helps onboard and, and facilitate and, and really train those, the, the maintenance side on, on how they can better serve the community. And, uh, you know, the, the part of the training on, on the operation side around policies and procedures and preventative maintenance, um, you talked about the importance of automation. Has, have, have you brought in any tools to help automate any of, any of that part of your, of your operations? For, for the training aspect we have, we have, so we've, we've, we have a great partnership, um, with a company that has done, you've done a, an amazing job and it's, um, you know, our, 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 our training department, our, our, the team there is, is done, you know, really well. And we just rolled, that was something that we rolled out about a year and a half, about a year ago. Um, and it's done, I mean, I think we, we actually rewrote all of our policies and procedures and. Um, and it's done. It's done some really great things for us. And 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 you're now training on these the the, and you have an LMS system, I suppose that 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 conveys mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Is that how that we happens? do. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so uh, third, your third pillar. Sorry, we could spend a lot of time here, but I know you know we try to keep these in a digestible amount, you know, amount of of a podcast. But uh, your third pillar was revenue management. Anything else that we haven't that you wanted to add to that? We talked about revenue management a bit already, but is there anything else that falls under that umbrella that we haven't touched on? You know, I I think that revenue management is, um, you know, it, it's been it's been a necessity. You know, I think since I've been on site, you know, it's always been something that I've been indoctrinated on believing that it is the end all be all, but it's not necessarily always the end all be all it, there's all obviously there's other aspects and metrics that we have to take in consideration with you know, revenue management. Um, I think that if I had any advice to, you know, anyone that's listening, that's never, that hasn't even considered it, you should, you know, I think it's something that you can leverage and really see some, some rent growth and just overall just growth of the community. Um, but yeah, revenue management, revenue management systems is something, it's a definite necessity in this, in this industry. Yeah, I hear you. Okay. So, so you, you put these three pillars in place. Let's, let's, let's put a bow on everything by talking about how you then measure uh, your success. You put these in place. How are you measuring that you're that uh, against your performance goals and how often does that happen? Who's involved in that decision? Um, and, and what do you do if things aren't working? Yeah. So what I have done is I created a report, like I had mentioned, it was a, I call it my diagnostic report. So I'm looking at, uh, well, it's, I'm sorry, Tyler, is this a, is this a custom BI report that's coming right out of your financials or is this an Excel that you've developed on your own? It is a, it's an Excel, but I'm, I'm working with our property management system to automate this for us. So I'm, I'm looking at, uh, you know, GPR and, and I'm, I'm looking at, you know, prior month, prior quarter, prior year, 
which direction are we going? Are we going to are we going to meet our budget based off of our current our current rents? You know where our current rents are. You know where is our where is our trend going? Because I'm you know everyone likes to look at you know thirty to sixty days, but we really need to focus in on hey we we need to look ninety plus days you know, with the exposure that we currently have, because if we're forward thinking and we're forward looking, then we're going to be able to make tweaks here and there. That's going to adjust on overall what's going to happen, say three to four months from now. Um, but it's, we're, we're, it's constantly trying to, trying to meet those benchmarks that I, for me, that I have created that showed success. And that's why we were able to get 40, 50, sometimes 60%, uh, rent growth on specific units. I think I've, we've gotten up to eighty to ninety percent rent growth on you know um, certain leases. So uh, I think that uh, looking at looking at the financials on a on a on a monthly basis is. I mean, if you're not doing that right now, I think you're really missing the mark. Um, but I'm looking at making sure that customer uh, customer acquisition cost is in you know is in line based off of you know goals that we've set in place but uh and if if not then we make adjustments you know you know where where do we need to increase marketing or or is marketing where it needs to be we're getting the leads but you know maybe rents made too aggressive so it's it's that balancing out of marketing and pricing and making sure we our supply and demand is kind of functioning, but what I've what but that's why I bring in that training piece where all right, well, pricing's right in line. We're slightly above last year, but we're not pushing rents as strong, and because we have a lot of exposure, make readies are they're all they're all made ready, but our conversions with our on-site team is you know below below where we'd like to be. So from there, I, I would say, Hey, we need to really focus on our, our, our resources on the, you know, the, the human capital part or the training development. Can we do anything to increase our conversions? A lot of times instead of, cause everyone likes to sacrifice rents. That's the first thing everyone likes to sacrifice. Oh, we're not doing good. Let's just go ahead and drop rents. I'm like, whoa, 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 before we do that, let's take a look at everything. And so a lot of times we were, we're able to hold rates Continue marketing the way we have, but focus on say training, and then by develop, you know, just taking that time to help the folks on te- on site understand what we're trying to do and how to do it, we've seen an uptick, and that's why we we constantly balance everything out, and we've been very, very, very successful. I'm going to guess that you're pr- you're not a fan of um, self serve leasing, sort of remote leasing, get letting people take their own tours, be- because the the ability to tweak that human element there clearly is very important to you. You know, I, and so I'm not, and not to say that I'm not a fan, but I think that there is still a level of human element that needs to be in place. Um, Because for me, if I'm going, and, and I guess I'm maybe old school, but if I'm going to a community, yeah, I could probably go and take a look and, but, it's that you know. All right, all right. Well, I'm I'm living here, but who am I going to deal with? That's that element that that we still like to have. Not to say that we wouldn't be completely against maybe trimming down the on-site team a little bit. Not to say we will, um, but if we had to, like if another COVID hit, 
we would we would be able to adopt that type of technology, which it's it's out there, um, but we we still like to have that human element when it comes to you know on site teams. Yeah, we've had a lot of great discussions here at the academy uh, with various professors about um, that old the old adage that people rent apartments uh, from people, right? Not not because of the apartment itself, and how true that really is. Uh, post COVID, how how strong we still believe that, and um, opinions vary. Um, it certainly does appear that there is a class of asset where people are 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 much more price conscious and oriented than they are. You know, is this the right community for me? And and virtual leasing seems to function maybe better there or more reliably there, um, or maybe at less of a penalty than it does at some of the you know class A assets where people want to feel like this is their home and their community and they, you know, they want to see themselves there. Doing some, I don't, I, I don't know what the right answer is myself, but it's a very interesting question to ask to people like you who think about it all the time. Um, in, in our final minute or two here, is there anything else from an asset management standpoint, um, speaking to folks that are, that are RPMs or even sometimes onsite folks, but that are there in the trenches, um, what 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 maybe don't people think about that actually moves the needle in terms of asset performance? Yeah, um, I think a lot of a lot of people still have a, a specific mindset of I need to be at ninety five percent occupied or higher. I I never understood that, and I I'd have been to I, I've been with companies that that's that's what they like, which is great. You know, it's great cash flow, but. You know, with five percent exposure to really play with rents, that just doesn't make sense. And now, to me, as a, you know, someone that deals with, you know, uh, you know, strategic performance. I mean, for me, it's okay to take on a little bit of exposure in a very high demand time frame. You know, being ninety two percent occupied is okay. Uh, it's not going to kill you, especially with when you have demand. And it's, so it's, it's, it's constant. You, you, you got to make sure that you're, you're, you feel comfortable and confident that maintaining that 92, 93% occupancy, still marketing and making sure that we're selling it. it it's okay. So taking that mindset away of being 95, 96% occupied, you know, taking that out, it, it will definitely help show that the, the, your potential. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm still, you know, as we continue to buy communities, that's a conversation we constantly have to to have is we're okay being at 92, 93%. You know, we, we'll make it up with rent. And then if we need to change our strategy, we can always go up in occupancy slightly or drop it back down. So that's, that's a needle that we play with uh, on a, you know, at least once or twice a year. Yeah, Lou. If you're gonna if you're gonna jump on the revenue revenue management pony, you have to swallow hard and and be ready to accept the high exposure when it's it's driving uh, rents that are higher than what you would get normally, and your revenue at the end of the day is higher than it would have been otherwise. And you just have to be girded for that, right? And not everybody does. It's a mental shift, yeah, for sure. Um, well, this has been great. You know. Um, we, we could spend a lot of time talking about a lot of these uh, individual issues that you brought up today. I appreciate you giving us a high level. Um, I know that um, 
uh, that that HPI as a private equity fund um, has investors. If people are interested in perhaps participating, is that possible? Is it, it should folks look to you to maybe as a as a source to um, to invest passively in this industry? If so, how do they get a hold of you? Well, it, it, not necessarily me, but you can absolutely uh, go to our website, HamiltonPTINB.com. It gives us some you know great information. Um, we've got some some wonderful sales and marketing team that uh, that be willing to and, and eager to to talk with everyone uh, that is interested. Great, and I think having somebody like you at the helm on the revenue side is uh, should give a lot of people confidence that they're going to invest in real estate. This is the right kind of organization that they should look to. So, Absolutely. Thank you so much for coming on the the uh, Academy podcast with us today. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us at this week's episode of the Apartment Academy podcast. The Apartment Academy is a production of Leonardo 24-7, the industry's leader in multifamily operations and maintenance software. At Apartment Academy, we realize the hard work that goes into property management and the stress that comes along with it. Leonardo 24-7 takes the guesswork out of your team's day-to-day by providing customized daily guidance on tasks that need to be done, guaranteeing consistent operations across your entire portfolio. To learn more, visit www.leonardo247.com today.